Hey folks, welcome back to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am, as always, Chris Yeh. And today I am joined in what is becoming a recurring segment by one of my partners from Blitzscaling Ventures, Scott Johnson. Say hello, Scott. Hello, everyone again. So as you may recall, last month, Scott and I talked about some of the different deals that we'd seen out in the venture marketplace, and we scored them based on their blitz scalability, i.e. how relevant were they? Were they in winner-take-most markets where blitz scaling would be an appropriate strategy for creating a multi-billion dollar global giant? We're selecting companies to really help you understand how different models fit into the blitz scaling framework. And last time we had a couple of enterprise software companies and a marketplace deal. And this time we've got three really interesting companies. One is uh, Roblox, which you may have heard of, a very hot deal in Silicon Valley. And two healthcare companies, one called Maven Clinic and one called Iora Health. Uh, They're all interesting companies that have uh, top tier backing. And we're going to dig into all three of them with you today. Fantastic. Which one do you want to start with, Scott? I want to start with Roblox. This company is so exciting, and it's going to be an important uh, liquidity event here sometime soon in Silicon Valley. So everybody should know about this company and get excited about it. Let's let's just kick it right off with them. If you don't know what they do, they they are essentially a YouTube for mobile games. You can create games on the platform and then you can share them. Other people can play them. You can build an audience around your game. And they have a really cool business model, Chris. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Roblox has one of those business models that Reed and I identified in the book as being particularly blitz scalable, which is to say it is a virtual goods business model where most of these games are free to play. And then what you're doing is you're paying for in-game upgrades. And I love virtual goods because you are getting people to pay real money for something that it costs zero dollars to create. So you'd say that was a high gross margin business? I would say that's a 10 out of 10 gross margin (laughs) business. Great, so as you recall from last time, there are seven factors that we look at. And if you wanna really understand those factors deeply, I encourage you to listen to the podcast where we describe the January deals. We, we really go into an explanation of each one. They're self-explanatory enough. I'll just list them here for this, this version of the podcast. The most important ones are the network effects or, or land grab component. That means it might be a winner takes most or winner takes all market. That's an important factor for us. Then there's viral growth or distribution. That means that a company can scale really quickly without friction. Then we have product market fit. And that means the pricing and the product and everything make it really easy, easy decision for customers to adopt. And retain. And retain, and they stick around forever. So you can print money for decades, as Chris likes to say. Market size, self-explanatory, gross margin, we all know what that means. Organizational and operational scalability. Those are things where, as the company grows, if you don't have to scale your organization or your operation, in other words, you don't need more people and you don't need more logistics and inventory and things like that, then that's, again, less friction to scale and so, therefore, a uh, highly scalable business that, that we like. So, all a great of example of this, okay. by the way, is Craigslist, which is a company that is run out of a single mansion in San Francisco with less than 20 employees, which generates a billion dollars a year in cash flow. Yes. So, don't we all wish we uh, were Craig? Oh, I mean, my that, gosh. That, wow. that's, what a great business. Um, this company, Roblox, that we're talking about now, getting back to the specific deal, scored 92 out of 100. So those seven factors that we have go into a a, a scoring algorithm that we created. 
And there's a lot of judgment and sort of opinion that goes into the scoring, but directionally, we get to a score at the end that gives us an indication how blitz scalable this company is. 92 is a rare score. I think Slack might have gotten a 92, a couple of companies along the way, but very rare to get a score above 90. Usually we get pretty excited if something gets 80. So, uh, And this is great because I think one of your friends had been president of Roblox. One of my friends is the VP of product management. So we could hit them up for investment in the future. Absolutely. A little shout out to Chris Misner. Um, let's, uh, Let's go down the list. Network effects and land grab, Chris. How do we score? It's incredible, right? As you mentioned, it's YouTube for gaming. There's a reason why YouTube is the dominant force on the internet with video. Roblox is a dominant force in casual gaming. A 10 out of 10. Viral growth and distribution. Well, this is one where we actually didn't give them a perfect score because if you think about it, it's just so easy to share a YouTube clip. You can email it. You can send it around. You can embed it. You can do all these different things. You can't quite do that with a video game. It's also easier to create a YouTube clip. You hit a button on your phone. There's a little bit of expertise that goes into creating a game. So as a result, it's still very good because you have this platform where people are being exposed to the games all the time. Many of these games are multiplayer. If you want to play the game, you got to get other people onto it as well. Uh, you have a persistent avatar that you're using between different games. These are all things that help contribute to that virality and that distribution. So nine out of 10 there, and therefore uh, almost all of the 58 points out of 100 that these two factors contribute to. So uh, really great scores there, not perfect, but nobody's ever gotten a perfect score. So let's keep going. Product market fit. We gave it 10 points. This company's numbers, we haven't seen them, but they are scary good. If you just look at the usage, uh, just of public usage numbers, you can tell that this company is growing incredibly fast. I forgot to mention earlier that the the backers here are some of the Silicon Valley elite. We've got Greylock, we've got Andreessen Horowitz, uh, Kleiner Index. Uh, this company, as, as you might expect, has attracted some of the best names in, in venture as their, as their investors. Moving down to gross margin, we already talked about that 10 out of 10, and that leaves us with the last two, organizational and operational scalability. And here again, because this is a platform, because you're not developing the games yourself, you have the users developing, it's a great example of how you can outsource some of the scalability to your customers. And because they've been able to do this, 10 out of 10. I forgot market size. Sorry, I skipped over it. We gave it 9 out of 10 there. You want to explain why it's not a perfect score? Yeah, at the end of the day, it is still something that is discretionary. It is video games. It's largely oriented towards youth. So there's only so much money available. Video games is a huge market, but this is a specific sub-segment of that market, and it is not something that covers all gamers. So depending how they evolve as a business, they might make their way to 10 out of 10. Right now, we think there's, you know, there's, there are bigger markets out there in the world, and so we're not going to give them full credit, but uh, it's a close call there. All right, 92 points out of 100, really exciting. Next company is a company called Maven Clinic, and they have a platform for women's health, so women's health needs, so that you can book video appointments through a network of nurses, gynecologists, mental health specialists, physical therapists, nutritionists. It's really enabling women to get hassle-free healthcare in an efficient way. It's delivered efficiently. They can source it efficiently. And it's essentially a marketplace for practitioners to serve their patients. Yeah. 
And as such, it therefore gets some pretty good marks in terms of network effects or land grab. Not perfect. And the reason is that there is competition. People already have existing healthcare providers. There are ways to, to get these services otherwise. This is not the sole place where you can get in. It doesn't have that sort of effect where uh, as a result of having this massive selection of practitioners, you're therefore going to get the most people on board. The fact of the matter is you're going to select from a group of practitioners. When you look at a set of doctors, do you know whether it's a hundred doctors or a million doctors? As long as you got the doctor you want, you're okay with it. Right. And the other thing is that doctors can list on multiple platforms. So, you know, just like drivers can list on multiple platforms for Uber and Lyft, doctors can lift up, list on multiple platforms here. It is a pretty highly considered purchase when yeah. you're choosing a, yeah. a, a medical practitioner, but it's not, um, it, so it's not really a winner takes most thing though. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's important to be at a certain scale and therefore you have a liquid marketplace. But once you reach that liquidity level that's adequate, it's hard to differentiate and it's hard to say that the winner is going to take most. So eight out of eight out of 10 on both of those, which gives us 34 out of 58 total score. Now let's look at product market fit. So I really do like the product market fit here. What they're embracing is the fact that as you're going through your life cycle, especially have the around having kids, there's a whole different set of healthcare providers you need to touch, be it the, the folks that you're where you're having the birth, the pediatrics, all these different supporting services. And having a system where all those things are actually brought together and there's a, a sense of, of purpose and, and connecting people together, that really helps with the product market fit, I think. Yeah, we gave them nine out of 10. It's conjecture. They might be a 10 out of 10 and they might be a six. We haven't talked to the customers to really understand if they've hit the right price point with the exact right service. And so we're not sure, but we have a sense that since they're as far along as they are, that they're close to getting it right. So we gave them nine out of 10. And then we've got a string of 10 out of 10s coming up for market size. We're talking about the healthcare market here. It's enormous. Gross margin, um, this is a marketplace, so they're going to have a take, and that take in the marketplace is going to be high margin business. Mm -hmm. Then um, there's organizational and operational scalability. Now, we're managing healthcare professionals yeah. here, and so there's going to be some friction to growth. Uh, you got to really sort of provide them some care and feeding, which is going to take people. Yeah. So as a result, it is not quite as frictionless as a typical software company, but still comes out pretty well. I will also say that one of the things I love about businesses that target women as a market is they get to say, oh, I'm a focused niche player where I have a market that happens to represent the majority of humanity and its purchasing power. Nice. Yeah. Very attractive feature. So 72 points in total out of 100 we consider 80 a really, really good score. So this is a darn good score and therefore a company that we would want to take a closer look at when we get our, our, our blitz scaling fund raised. This is certainly something that we would want to talk to the CEO and understand the business better and refine the score and, and really understand if this is a, an investment we would want to make. But it has the characteristics that we look for enough of them. That, uh, that we're pretty excited about. It is a little unusual in the sense that it has some big name investors. Why don't you talk about that just for a second? Uh, yeah, I should have mentioned that earlier. Thank you for reminding You're me. Welcome. So um, the, as you know, the, the, really the premier name in Silicon Valley is 
Sequoia. Some others might argue with that, but I think if, if you had to name one, then that's, that's probably number one. So Sequoia, this is a Sequoia deal, but alongside Sequoia are some other names you might recognize. Natalie Portman and Reese Witherspoon. Yes. So they've attracted, you know, some, so certainly some high profile women who can help market this to other women. And certainly that's uh, that's a big plus for the company. I wonder how they missed out on Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, well, you know, she, she, uh, maybe was invested in other things. It was a conflict. <laughs> Could have been. All right. So down to our, our third and final company that we're going to talk about. And this one has backing from Polaris and from Kosla and from some friends of mine in Boston. Uh, Flare Capital is, uh, a healthcare specialty investment firm with their their limited partners are a lot of the the big healthcare companies and pharma companies, so they really understand this kind of market. Uh, and dot four hundred six, which is Ted Williams' batting average, that's how they named the fund. The last player to bat over four hundred in a season, though Tony Gwynn might have done it if not for the baseball strike. Ah, uh, well, um, he came close. Anyway, three ninety four. I don't know if the dot four or six guys have achieved Ted Williams batting average in their investing, but they're darn good investors and friends of mine. So shout out to them. They're in this deal as well. Let's, let's talk about the company Iora. So um, they are actually a clinic and they are trying to remake how clinic, how, how healthcare is delivered. They um, provide primary care and they're using a team-based approach. So there's a doctor, a nurse practitioner, a nurse, a behavioral health specialist, and health coach for each patient. And they have a, a technology platform that helps all those people be more data-driven and therefore really efficient and effective. And they sell to payers. So they're selling to health plans and getting health plans on board. And that helps them bring in the patients into the clinics. And therefore they get high utilization of the clinics right off the bat because they're working with these healthcare providers. So it's a good model. Um, should they blitz scale? Let's, let's look at the, at the attributes and figure that out. So one of the most interesting things about IR is their model, right? Having a health coach for each patient, being able to have someone who's essentially the quarterback trying to get your appropriate level of care. So this is great from the perspective of providing a fantastic service. But the interesting question is, does this make for a winner take most or winner take all market? Now, this human intensive approach does introduce a lot of friction. Yeah. So, um, and also you have to build a clinic and so that's, that's friction as well. Like these, these clinics have to serve a local population. And so you need many of them. And so I, we invested in a business like this at, uh, at NAV in one of my past funds, and it was really difficult to grow this company. Mm. Um, so we struggled with it and it was a, um, <clears throat> It was a long and difficult and, and ultimately fruitless endeavor. So I, I have a sort of a bias against companies like mm -hmm, this, having mm -hmm. had a bad experience. Mm -hmm. I think it can be done well. There are companies that have, have done a clinic approach that have grown really fast and, and, and done well. So I, I think we shouldn't discount this entirely based on one data point that I happen to have. But um, let's, let's think about what do we score for network effects, for example? Well, for network effects, again, I, I just don't see how 
adding more people to the platform and adding more doctors to the platform is going to dramatically improve the service. You already have good providers. This is something that really fits into that enterprise software level category, like a four out of 10. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. Of course, uh, we have some distribution just to discuss here as well. Is there friction there? Or is this a highly scalable distribution model? Well, again, the difficult thing is that people are already pretty tied into the medical system. They have healthcare. They're not necessarily going to switch very easily. There is some virality because if they provide great service, people do talk about doctors and things like that. But again, that's really uh, hampered by the fact that people are on their own individual healthcare systems. Yeah. So there's a little bit of leverage because they're working with the healthcare plans. Mm -hmm. So it's not a zero. I think it's above a four, actually. I think maybe a five or a six. You know, let's be generous. Maybe let's give them a six. Give them a six here. Uh, product market fit. You know, this is conjectural. Uh, I would speculate that they have good product market fit because of that human coach that will show up in the negative on the gross margin side. Mm -hmm. But I do think it helps on the product market fit side. So let's give them a nine. Sure. Moving on to market size. Well, this is a classic healthcare market, enormous, enormous market. The friction is really going to come in that uh, growth and distribution side. But I think that they can rightly claim to have a, a very large market. Let's give them nine out of 10 just because there's so many established players they have to fight against. Well, that's comp competition. I, I would argue for a 10 out of 10 on market size. The U.S. healthcare market is one of the biggest markets on the planet. So if we're talking about total available market, I, you know, we, we, we can agree to disagree on that. But I, I'm, I'm going to be generous again and give them a 10 and uh, we, can, we can fight about it later. Gross margin. Yeah, gross margin. This is this is not software gross margins. You are providing services. You have to pay doctors. Again, they're running the clinics. Those people are employees. Yeah, and if you don't have good utilization, then you have negative gross margin here. So you need a certain uh, level of patient activity here and, and utilization, or you're going to be losing money per clinic. So uh, plus, you have turnover of patients. It's 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 a tough business. I gotta say. So I'm going to give gross margins maybe a three out of 10. And that's really a bad score for us. If, if a business doesn't have good gross margins, you know, how are you going to scale it? You're going to require a ton of capital to grow this business just because of that. And you also, with a clinic, you have scalability issues on the organizational and the operational side. You have to build the clinic, then you have to staff the clinic. So your growth is entirely tied to building and staffing clinics. Doesn't sound good to me. Ugh. I think maybe three out of 10 for both of those. So our total score here is a 39, certainly the worst scoring company that we've looked at of these three. And as most people intensive businesses that have bad gross margins and no winner takes most opportunity, you know, yeah, there's a big market opportunity here and, and maybe they'll scale into a big business, but this is not a company that we would, we would pursue. And in fact, this even fits into the category of even though it's not blitz scalable, would we pursue it in a non-blitz scaling form? If we were, for example, just growth ventures as opposed to blitz scaling ventures, even there, I'm skeptical. Yeah, yeah. Tough one, tough one to get excited about for us. Um, but, you know, venture investors have a, a low batting average. It's below .406 usually. So one man's opinion or even two men's, two, two people's opinions. Or women's opinion. Two people's opinions are, uh, are just two opinions. So um, who knows? We might be proven wrong in 10 years' time. That's all we have time for today. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast and learned something. And again, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, feel free to leave comments on the show notes. And Scott, just thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule. 
Always enjoy doing this with you, Chris, and look forward to next month. We'll see you guys soon.